Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. We started a series a couple of weeks ago that we're calling Stronger. Not a very creative name to the series because that That's what we're talking about, right? We're just talking about getting stronger as men and women of God. It's important for us to be Christians. It's good to be a Christian. It's even better to be a strong Christian. You can go to heaven being a Christian, but you can enjoy the journey getting there if you are a strong Christian, and you can impact other people and bring them along with you as a strong Christian. So it's good to be a Christian, but that's not the only thing we're instructed to do. We're also instructed to build our strength and to be strong in the Lord. One of the verses we started off talking about was Proverbs chapter 24 when it says, if you fail or if you fall in a day of adversity then your strength is too small. When hard times come, when difficulty, trial, tribulation, temptation, when that comes into someone's life and it trips them up, they stumble, they fall, it, it's, it's revelatory. It brings revelation. It lets you know something. You're not strong enough. And so we've got a lot of people in the church, maybe not necessarily this church, but in the church in general, they've, they've accepted Jesus as Savior. That's wonderful. That's the most important thing. But whenever temptation comes, difficulty, persecution, it, it knocks people out. And it lets us know we need to be stronger. Amen? So we've been taking time to focus on some things to help us grow stronger as men and women of God, as people that follow Jesus. The, the first thing that we started talking about was knowing that you've been cleansed of your sins. It might not sound very important. It's terribly important. We, we looked at 2 Peter chapter 1 that said that God has given us everything we need, everything we need for being the man or the woman of God he's called us to be. It talked about people who've received everything they need and then they go on adding one virtue to another, just growing and developing and and blossoming as men and women of God. And then it says there's people that don't develop like that. And the problem with people who don't develop like that is that they have forgotten that they have been cleansed of their sins. It, It keeps you from growing when you carry through in your life this residue or this uh, attachment to how you used to be and you've confessed and God's forgiven you, but you haven't quite completely let go of it and you haven't seen yourself the way God sees you as a new creature. Old things passed away. Everything has become new. And one of the issues is what sin does in someone's life, sin will cause you to devalue yourself. You'll devalue yourself. And here's the problem. You will devalue yourself and you will assume that God has devalued you as well. And so when you try to re-engage with the Lord, you'll make the assumption, I'll re-engage, but I'm going to have to re-engage at a lower level because the way I see myself, surely God sees me, this, sees me this way as well. You can see it in the story of the prodigal son, right? The, the son takes the father's wealth, goes away, squanders it on wild living, sleeping around, drinking around, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He hits rock bottom. Then it says he comes to his senses and he realizes, I, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to go home. I want to be with my father. And he's thinking it through. He says, I'll, I'll go back, but I, man, look what I've done. Look how I've squandered his wealth. I know I've lost son status. I'm, I want to re-engage with the father, but I know I'm going to have to, maybe, maybe I can re-engage at servant level. Right? That's how he saw himself. And he assumed if I go back to the father, it's going to be different than before. I'm going to have a lower level than, than when I left. He devalued. That's what sin does in someone's life. But when he went back to the father, you know the story. That's not how the father saw him. The father didn't mention anything that he'd done. Said, this is my son. Get a robe on my son. Put a ring on my son's. Full restoration, right? So when when we talk about growing stronger in the Lord, this is a critical starting point. And some people have minimized it. They don't see how important it is. Sin will cause you to devalue yourself and the enemy will try to hold you there. Don't let him. You are too important to try to operate at a, a level below how God sees you, to try to operate as, as servant instead of son or daughter. The impact God wants you to have in your family, in your community, the role you play in the body of Christ, you are too important, too gifted. You are too special. You, you need to be operating at full capacity. 
We need you operating at full capacity. You need to be enjoying full restoration relationship with the Lord. Not Christian with a little asterisk because you had some rough years. Right? Don't, don't let that cause you to see yourself differently. Because you can't help but make the, the way you see yourself, you assume that everyone sees you that way. So you can't help but, but apply that to your relationship with God. Completely forgiven and clean. That, that's where we started. That's a starting point for growing stronger. People who fail to develop, they've not got this settled. I'm, I'm cleansed. I'm so clean. I'm so brand new. Right? Then last week we talked about the way that we engage with the word of God. We looked at Mark chapter, Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. Jesus tells a story about a guy sowing seed, gets alone with his disciples, and they say, what, what, was, what was that all about? What were you talking about? Like, what did that mean? And Jesus says, if you don't understand this, then how are you going to ever grow beyond, beyond this? How are you going to get anything else if you don't get the, the truth hidden in this, in this parable? And he didn't say that because the, the truth was so simple. He said that because the truth was so foundational. That all of the growing that we're going to do, the word of God is the seed. It all starts with the word of God. How we engage with the word is going to determine how we move forward. All of our growing, it's going to start with the seed of the word of God. So he starts talking about the way we engage with God's, God's word. It's important. And he said there's a strategy of the enemy that he tries to snatch away. Whenever you encounter the word of God, the enemy's first strategy is just to try to separate you from it. Try to stir up doubt, confusion, get you to forget it. You're distracted. You're not taking notes. You're not fully in, engaged. It's just one in one ear and out the other, whether it's in a service like this in your devotional time, he's going to try to separate you from the word of God. Then we talked about the way that we engage with the word of God. We talked about people who didn't have a root in themselves. There was no root. We talked about letting God's word penetrate, spread out, spread deep into our hearts that when we engage with the word of God, don't just read a chapter and then out the door. That we've got to engage deeply. We looked in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus said, the measure of thought and study you apply to the truth that's given to you will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that you receive out of the truth. We talked about toothpaste. In fact, I had a testimony this morning. Powerful testimony of somebody getting more toothpaste out of their tube of toothpaste which really wasn't the point of me sharing that, but praise God, it's a blessing to someone. We talked about how I get more toothpaste out of a tube of toothpaste than, than my wife. She moves on to the next thing. She's ready to jump on to the, to the next tube. I don't because I know there's more toothpaste in there. So I press, I squeeze, I spend time. I get, I get more out of it because I know that it's in there and I know I can get out. It's the same way. It's the same way with the word of God. There's more in the word. Don't just read it and then jump off to the next thing. No, man, there's more truth. There's more virtue. There's more knowledge. There's more revelation. And and you've got to engage deeply. Press the word of God. God, I know there's something in this passage. I know there's something in this parable. I know there's something in this verse. Spend time thinking about it, meditating, meditating on it. Press the word of God. Get everything, get everything out of it. The measure of thought and study, you engage the word of God. It'll be the same measure of truth, virtue, knowledge that you get out of it. Some people get so much more out of one passage of scripture. Man, I read that same thing. I didn't get anything. You, you, you didn't press it. You didn't meditate on it. It was there. You, you've, got, you've got to work to get it out, right? And then we talked about after the seed grows, the, the, the plant that grows up and gets choked out by the weeds. And Jesus said, that's the cares of life. That's all the worries, different desires for different things. We talked about how uh, below the surface, that's our spiritual, that's our encounter with the word of God, how we engage, if we let it penetrate us or not. But then there's a chance for that word to meet everyday life. You're going to work, you're hanging out with friends, you're watching TV. There's moments where that, that word that you have hidden in your heart encounters resistance from the world, from the flesh, from different desires. And whether you are a doer of the word or not, that's when you're either going to go on to produce fruit, that word's going to produce fruit in your life, or it's going to get choked out. 
It's in those moments. You know to be patient. There's an opportunity whether you're going to actually be patient or not, or whether the cares of this life are going to choke it out. And you've got the word, but there's no fruitfulness. You know that you're supposed to be sexually pure, but then there's temptation. It's in those moments you're either going to go on to produce fruit, or the cares of this life are going to choke out what's been planted in your life. But if we engage, we let God's word penetrate us, and we're doers of the word, we go on to bear 30, 60, 100 fold what's planted. Amen? We're growing stronger. Let me read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. It draws a parallel between getting yourself in shape physically and getting fit spiritually. There's, there's a parallel. There's things you can do to get stronger and to get healthier, right? You can exercise. Certain things you can do. Same thing spiritually. There are certain steps you can take. And it says physical training is good. There's a benefit to that. But when we train ourselves to be strong men and women of God, there's benefits both in this life and in the life to come. So there's things that we can do. And again, it's simple. Please don't let the simplicity of this cause you to just, you know, just sit through this and not engage. Let God speak to you something fresh. Engage deeper. You know, if we're talking about getting strong, you know, we're going to talk about reading God's word, right? You know that if you've spent any time in church, in church at all. And so this week, we're going to talk about something else very simple. But again, don't, don't let how basic it is keep you from receiving something this morning. This morning, we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about praying. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. It's a song we used to sing in Sunday school. Don't read your Bible, don't pray every day. And you shrink, shrink, shrink. So, so very, very basic. If you want to grow stronger, you need to engage in God's word every day. And you need to spend time in prayer. Now, prayer is a huge topic. We've done, you know, a couple month long series on, on prayer. So to try to, to think that we're going to cover everything in one, in one message is, is crazy. But let me just point out a couple of different aspects of prayer that cause us to grow stronger. And then we'll take some time to pray here in a couple minutes. One of the reasons prayer is so important, it's, it's talking to God, right? Just very basically, it's having a conversation. It's communion, communication with God. It's, it's fellowship. Richard Foster says that he writes extensively on spiritual disciplines. And he said that of all the disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. It's, it's where our relationship really is centered and based. And so we can say things like uh, Christianity isn't a religion. It's a relationship, right? We, we like to say that, and it's true. But if we remove the prayer element, if we remove conversation, communion, fellowship, then we can say it's not religion, it's relationship, but you've removed the, the relationship relationship aspect. And it is, it is religion if you remove prayer. Prayer's got to be central because prayer is central to any thriving relationship. You think about a marriage. If my marriage with my wife, if we, if we follow all the technical stuff, we do all the, the rules, we, we stay in our, our roles, we, we don't violate trust with one another, I get up in the morning, I go to work, I come home from work, I support my family, she does a good job taking care of the kids, she homeschools them, does the laundry, feeds them, she, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. If we do that, but we remove communication, we don't talk to each other, our, our marriage is going to shrivel. It's going to be in trouble because we remove that, that, one, that one element of communication. So people don't, people don't get married and hope that they, the, the marriage falls apart in a couple of years, but it happens all the time. And one of the reasons is because communication suffers, and when communication suffers, the relationship suffers. You've got, you've got to engage talking, very, very simple, talk to the Lord, right? You cannot be a strong Christian without a strong prayer life. You can't. If you want to be a strong Christian, you've got to have a strong, a strong prayer life. Since the, the number one indicator of the strength of your walk with God is your, is your engagement in prayer. You know, this, this is so strong. The bond that, that communication and talking, it's, it's so powerful that you actually have to be careful of it in some areas of your life, right? Because you can start to build unhealthy bonds with people. It's, it's so bond and relationship forming. 
It's not rare to hear about someone who starts talking to someone at work. They didn't intend to go and have an affair or fall in love with someone else. Some man going to work every day, just all of a sudden he's in love with a woman at work. How, how did that happen? He didn't mean for it to happen, but he started talking to this person every day. They work closely on a project. We talk for hours and hours before I know, oh my goodness, I feel like I'm in love with this person. It happened by accident. How did that bond form? Because of communication, right? So th- this is so strong that you've got to limit it in other areas, but if we apply that to our relationship with the Lord, spend, you've got to spend time praying, spend time in communion with the Lord, real, real prayer, not a five minute prayer on the way out the door because the the length of time you spend praying matters as well. And I know we're so afraid of becoming legalistic and putting any kind of limitations or guidelines on anything. And we don't want to become legalistic, but there's other things to be afraid of other than legalism. Something else to be afraid of is having a dead prayer life and a weak walk with the Lord. That's something to be afraid of as, as well. The amount of time you communicate matters. So, so to say, hey, I pray every day. I say something real quick when I'm driving to work. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. There's also not a whole lot right with that. You need to spend time in communication. The amount of time you spend praying matters. For example, let's say after church today, my wife talks to another man, which she probably will. It's no big deal. She'll talk to other men. I'll talk to other women. We trust each other. It's not, it's not weird at all. Have a couple conversations, but let's say instead of a, a two-minute conversation here and a five-minute conversation there and a 10-minute conversation, she just kind of is off to the side in the lobby talking to the same person for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes. Everyone has left the church but me and, and her and this guy, and I've got the kids that, they talk for an hour, an hour and a half. I've got the kids loaded in the car, you know, trying to be patient. We wait in the car for a while. I come back in. It's been two hours. They're still talking. Hey, uh, you, you guys about done? And my wife looks at me and says, about done. I feel like we're just getting started. We're, we're probably going to be a couple more hours. Now, as, as her husband, is that different to me than a five-minute conversation? Right? A five-minute con- Whatever, it happens all the time, I don't care. But sitting and talking to some man for three hours, right? That, that's at least a red flag, right? Be- because the amount of time you spend engaged, talk, it, it matters, right? It can happen in an unhealthy way, but we've got to apply that to our walk with the Lord. It's foolishness to think that your 30-second prayer on the way to work is just as meaningful and relationship for me as carving out an hour of time every day to engage with the Lord. You've got to protect it. You've got to carve out time, spend time talking to the Lord because there's a direct correlation between the amount of communication that happens and the strength of the relationship. That's why if they spend three hours, she's on the phone or talking to some man for three hours, it's a red flag because I know there's a correlation between the strength of the relationship and the amount of time they spend engaged talking and the intimacy that it creates, right? I'm not, not talking sexually. I'm talking about... The, the, the bond that it's forming, it gets more, it gets closer and closer, right? You, you've got to protect your relationship with the Lord. You protect other things in your life. People are, to spend an hour with the Lord, that, that's, that's a little, I don't have that kind of time. You need to protect your relationship with the Lord. You bought a case for your phone. You got a garage for your car. You're protecting things that are important. You need to protect the inti- you need to protect your relationship with the Lord, and it means you got to push some other things aside to carve out an hour for you just to talk and listen for His voice. That that's what it's going to take. It's worth you doing it to protect your relationship with the Lord. So the n- number one thing, it's about relationship. It's about relationship. The strength of your relationship with the Lord. If you want to be a strong man or woman of God, it's going to be directly connected to the amount of time you spend in prayer. Very simple. Second reason. Prayer keeps you from temptation. Prayer will keep you from temptation. You know, just talking about the strength of something in their their prayer life. I don't know if anyone that I respect as a man or a woman of God, whether I've met them personally or just read about them, one thing that is consistent, and men and women of God can be so incredibly different. It's amazing how different men of God can be. The way that they operate, the way that they speak, their, their giftings. But one thing that's consistent is they are devoted to prayer. Whether they're a minister or just somebody that has a powerful walk with the Lord, that's something that is across the board. They are engaged with the Lord. Prayer is meaningful. It is a high priority in their life. 
Prayer will keep you from temptation. Let me read you from Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. Jesus says this, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus told his disciples to spend time praying. Why? So that they wouldn't enter into temptation. There's something that happens when you spend time in prayer that it bolsters you and strengthens you. So when temptation comes, you've got strength to resist it. That's why he, so again, it's, it's revelatory too. So if you have an area where you keep falling into temptation or you know someone close to you that keeps falling into temptation, what is going on? Why do I keep giving into this? Jesus is giving us insight here. You need to spend more time and pray. You need, you have a, a, a shortcoming when it comes to your prayer life and it's making you vulnerable to temptation. You don't have what it takes to withstand it. So he told his disciples, spend time praying. Why should we pray, Jesus? So that you won't give in to temptation. So there's, there's depths of this I don't claim to understand. How time and prayer makes me more resistant to temptation. But there's a couple of things that you can deduce from it. One is what we just talked about. The stronger your relationship is because of prayer, the more in love you are with Jesus, the less temptation is going to be able to pull on you, right? If I'm developing my walk with God, I'm just developing intimacy. You can get to where you're so in love with Jesus. I don't want anything to violate this, right? Again, using marriage as an analogy. I, I, I will not cheat on my wife. I won't. I haven't. I never will. But... One of the things that will keep me from doing that, whether our marriage is strong or weak, I won't do it. But one thing that will be a protection is the healthier my relationship is with my wife. The more we are flourishing in our relationship, the, the less temptation is going to be able to pull on me, right? So even people that do end up cheating on their spouse, it rarely happens on the honeymoon, right? Because everything's wonderful, man. They're just enjoying one another. Everything is, everything is great, Because when things are good in the relationship, it's harder to tempt somebody out of it. It's when the relationship is dry and cold, then other things start to catch your eye. Same thing is true in our walk with God. So one of the reasons that prayer will strengthen you when it comes to temptation is because you're just going to be closer to the Lord. And the things of this world grow strangely dim. Eh, I've kind of lost the taste for that. I just, I love Jesus so much. I don't want to endanger this relationship, right? So that's, that's one reason. Another is simply that you can pray about temptation. It can be an answer to prayer. It's in the Lord's Prayer. Lead, lead us not into temptation. God, you know, you know I've struggled with that in the past. Father, keep me strong. God, let me never be a man that falls into sexual sin. God, help me. Give me strength. Give me wisdom and grace to be honest in all of my financial dealings. God, come and search my heart. Show me if there's anywhere where I'm getting off track. Just engaging in prayer, we can ask ask for strength against temptation. There's something in prayer. Those are just a couple of things you can deduce, but there's something in prayer that causes us to be strong when it comes to temptation. And it is important to not fall into temptation. You know, the enemy wants you to fall into temptation, not just because he wants to embarrass you and fill you with regret. There's more on the line. Let me read to you from first Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. He's telling us not to be deceived because some people let themselves be deceived along these lines. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, those are, those are areas where people are tempted, right? People are tempted to be thieves. People are tempted to commit sexual sin. People are, are, there's temptation to put things in our lives higher, higher than God. There's temptation to manipulate people and do stuff, stuff for self. This, these are all the areas where people feel temptation. And it says that there's a, the reason behind it, the devil doesn't want you to go to heaven. He wants to pull you out of the kingdom of God and do everything he can to keep you from advancing in the kingdom of God. There's a lot on the line when it comes to temptation. It's not just about you having to hang your head or feel like a failure or have to spend extra time repenting at, at the altar. He wants to keep you from making heaven. That's what you, we've got to engage in prayer so you won't fall into temptation. Amen. So prayer is important because it builds relationship. It's important because it keeps us from, from temptation. There, there's an area where you keep falling into temptation. Let the Holy Spirit deal with your heart. You need, it's very simple. Increase your time in prayer. Spend more time praying. Another reason prayer is important for us to be strong 
is prayer eliminates worry. Turn your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 5. Prayer eliminates worry in our lives. Worry makes you vulnerable. The devil can get you filled with stress and anxiety and worry, get you distracted, get you weighed down with that stuff. He makes you, he makes you vulnerable. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And this isn't the point that I'm, I'm trying to make here, but you can see one of the things that prayer does is that it humbles you. It humbles you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you, How do I do that? Casting all your care upon him. When I come to the Lord in prayer, it humbles me. And when I humble myself, I've positioned myself for God to exalt me. Father, I know I don't have what it takes. I know apart from you, I can't do anything. Father, I don't know how to lead my family properly, so I'm coming to you and I'm asking that you would give me help, Lord. Give me grace. Give me strength. Father, I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't have the wisdom, but I know your word says you have the wisdom and that you'd share it with me. So, Father, would you give me wisdom that I would handle this right? It it humbles us when I know I've got to rely on God working in my situation, right? Humble yourself. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting our cares on him. Why do I cast my cares on him? Because, because he cares for me. Now, there's, there's two levels of this. They're, they're both important, but we need not just one or the other. We need, we need both and. For he, I cast my cares on him. Why? For he cares, he cares for me. I'm going to ask Pastor Josiah to help me for a minute. Get on up here, you. All right, Pastor Josiah has got a lot of different roles in his life, right? So he's, he's a youth pastor. He's in the ministry. He's got a call of God on his life. He's a husband. He's a dad. He's a son. He's a small business owner. He's a homeowner. He's a neighbor. Right? There's a lot of responsibility. Am I stressing you out? <laughs> So, so he's got a lot of things to think about, a lot of ways you know, that he could, can put his mind to. So, so those things he, are things that he cares about, right? So let's get him some cares. Bring me some, some cares up here. So he's, he's got... Bring those cares on over here. Right, so let's say that this is his care. Let's just represent his, his cares, right? So this is thinking about... what. What's going on with his kids? What's up with that behavior issue? Is he handling it right? How's his relationship with his wife? What's going on with his finances? He made the right decisions. Did he file his taxes right? I don't know. All, all kinds of stuff, right, that go on in, on in his mind. So he's, he's caring about those things. He's, so holding that, he's holding his cares. Now, this says to cast all our cares on the Lord. Why? Because he cares for us. Now, there's two levels. One is that God cares about us, right? Let's say that I'm God. See, I always put myself in this position. And I I care about Josiah. I love him. I care about him. So he's got all these cares, and I can come alongside him and say, man, I love you. I'm sorry you're dealing with all that. That's a lot, man. I know. It's a lot on your mind. Right? And that's good. That's important to know that God cares us. He he loves us. So that's, that's one level of it. But it doesn't, if you look at the actual translation, that literally it means he doesn't just care about us. We know that's true. Thank God for that. But here it means not just he cares about you, but he cares on your behalf. Right? So he, he's got those cares. And it's not just God saying, man, that must be heavy. It's actually, those are your cares? Tell you what, why don't you let me handle, handle those, those cares? So I'll, I'll do the care. Somebody's got to care about his kids. Somebody's got to care about his finances. Somebody's got to care about how his ministry's doing. Somebody's got to care about his marriage. So he can weigh himself down with that. But it's saying, cast your cares on the Lord, not just because he's a nice guy and he loves you. It's saying because God will actually do the caring on, on your behalf. Now here, take your cares back. So hold on, stay right here. Stay right here. I'm not done with you. So he's, he's got his cares. Now listen, God always cares about you. 
He always loves you. Nothing could ever separate you from the love of God. Whether you're aware of it, you're not aware of it, God loves you. He cares about you, right? But he doesn't always care for you. He, he always cares about you. He doesn't always care on your behalf. And this is the importance of prayer. So God always cares about you, but it's only through prayer that he cares on your behalf, right? So that, that's the power of prayer. Because when you're casting your cares, you're saying, God, would you care about this? God, I've got this going on at work. I've got this going on with my business. God, I can't shoulder this load anymore. Would, would you care on my behalf? And we roll it off onto him and he does the caring for it. He's better at caring for it anyway. So he, he cares about you, but he will also do the caring, do the caring for you, but it doesn't happen automatically. You've got to, ca- God, Look at my kids, God. I don't, what in the world? Father, I, would you please minister to my children? Give them hearts that love you more than anything else. I can't, I can't put that in them. So what, why would I carry that stress? So I, I cast that care on the Lord. I stay right there. So sometimes, sometimes we read these verses and there's so much in them. We read them individually and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's also important sometimes to see the, the connection as well. So let, let me read this passage again. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Next verse, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And we can read each one of those verses and get plenty out of them, but sometimes we fail to see the connection. He's telling us, cast our cares on, you, you got to get your care off of you and on to the Lord. Next verse, you, keep yourself aware, be vigilant, be sober. Don't be stupid about this. You've got to understand and keep yourself alert. You have an adversary, the devil, he's real and he's after you and he's like a lion. He's just waiting for someone to devour, right? There's a relationship between those, between those two verses. He's telling us one of the ways we can understand how the enemy works is to think about the way that a lion operates, Right? So you've seen the shows, you know how lions stalk around. So that you can be a gazelle, a zebra. This time I'll be the devil just to balance things out a little bit. So if I'm a lion, I'm, you know how it works, right? I'm, crouching, right? They're ready to, they sneak through the weeds. They're kind of just being subtle, sneaking around. And waiting for that moment, waiting for a moment to pounce. And they jump out, and there's the zebras, the antelope, the wildebeest, whatever. And they all, they all go r- running off. Who, who, do the, who does the lion usually get? The, the weakest, the slowest, right? So right now, if I take off after him, I'm not going to. <laughs> you like immediately went into track stance. <laughs> maybe I could catch him, maybe I couldn't. But... Let's get him some more worries. Okay, so if if right now, now if I took off running after him, I've just upped my chances of catching him tremendously because he's got 100 pounds of sand in in, in his hands. So if he's trying to, to run, run with all of that weight, right? So the enemy, by putting worries and cares on someone can effectively take someone who's strong and cause them to behave like someone who isn't strong. Why? Because they're carrying all, all, of, that, all of that weight. So he tells us, cast all your cares on the Lord. Get, get rid of them. Very next, you've got to keep yourself aware. There's an enemy looking to take you down and he operates like a, a lion. You've got to keep yourself nimble, able to respond. And if you keep those cares, you weigh yourself out. And the Bible says anxiety in the heart of a man does what? Weighs him down. Proverbs chapter 12, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, presses him down, but a good word lifts him up. So he keeps these cares. He's weighing, he's making himself heavy, cumbersome, unable to respond appropriately. He's got his mind on other things, but if he'll cast his cares on the Lord, he sets him free, causes him to be nimble, able to respond, able to evade the the attacks of the enemy. Good job. So prayer, prayer sets us free from worry and anxiety. Cast all of your cares on the Lord because, because he will do the caring on your behalf. Philippians chapter four, verse six, be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to the Lord. 
Verse 7, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Same thing. Get rid of anxiety. How? Not, not just by being numb to everything that you've got going on, but through the process of prayer, you are casting your, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request. God, here's what I got going on today. Here's what's going on with my family. Here's my financial situation. I'm presenting it to you, and I'm anxious about, anxious about nothing. And again, of course God wants you just to be happy and at peace. That, that's important. But there's more on the line than you just being able to, to whistle as you walk down the hall at work and not. You have an enemy that's looking to take you out. And it sets you free to avoid his attacks when you're not weighed down with worry and anxiety. Pr- prayer is important because it sets you free from worry. Prayer is important because it helps you not fall into temptation. Prayer is important because it strengthens our relationship with the Lord. Prayer is also important because it brings about the will of God. Prayer brings about God's will. God's will doesn't just happen automatically. Your prayer is powerful. Your prayer plays a role. Your prayer is is meaningful. And this is important because some people will resign themselves when it comes to prayer. what's, What's the point? If everything's just set the way that it's going to be, God kind of has things. When you hear people talk like that, this is one of the dangers. Every time something happens, they shrug and say, well, it must be the will of God. Well, just got God's will. I, mean, I know God's got a plan in this. Something terrible happens. God, I know you're up to something. Certainly he can redeem bad things and, and bring about good out of them, but we can't give him credit for the bad thing in, in the first place. Not everything that happens is the will of God. And as you read through the Bible, you can see exactly that. Men and women prayed in the Bible as if their prayers actually mattered and were going to change the, the situation or the circumstance, not just some ritual or routine of spouting off meaningless, meaningless little sayings to God. Your Prayers matter. Look at the life of Jesus. If everything that happened was the will of God, every time Jesus encountered somebody, he changed the course of their life. If God's will was already being done, then Jesus was messing up the will of the Father instead of enacting the will of the Father. When he encounters a man who can't see, he's blind, Jesus opens his eyes. He changes his whole life, changes the situation. Encounters dead people, raises them back to life, crippled people, makes their legs function, hungry people with nothing to eat. He multiplies food, gives... If that was God's will, then he would have just let it ride. But he didn't. Through prayer, he changed the situation. Don't fall into the mindset that everything that's happening in your life is the will of God. God has given us prayer to get involved in situations and use authority and power that he's made it available and we access it through prayer. You play a role. Your prayers are important. Look at the life of Moses, the life of Abraham. There's plenty of accounts of times when God changed his mind, changed what was going to happen based on someone's prayer. God changes his mind. His love doesn't change. His character doesn't change. His mind can change. Let me read you from James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So when a righteous man or a woman spends time in prayer, it says that there are wonderful results. Power starts to work and there are results that come, which means if someone fails to pray, that there are good results, wonderful results that could have come about, but you squandered them because you didn't spend time praying about it. I like the way the Amplified Version reads. It says this, prayer makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. There's tremendous power. God has tremendous power through prayer prayer, we make it available and it's tremendous and it's working. You've got situations in your life that could use tremendous power working in them, but it's not just going to happen. Prayer is how we access, access that power and cause God's will to come about. We bring God's will about through prayer. It's one of the first things Jesus said when he taught us how to pray. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If his will just happened, we wouldn't have to pray about it. That's how we enact his will on earth is by God created the earth and put man in charge, gave him authority. Man bowed his knee to the devil 
and allow the devil to become the ruler of the earth. Through Jesus, we're able to take back authority, but you've got to use it. And prayer is the way that we use the power and authority to enact God's will on situations. That God doesn't just force his way in. It's men and women like you and me that invite him in and bring his power into the situation. And the way that we do that is is through prayer. God's will doesn't just happen. Let me me read you from Proverbs chapter 6. To me, this, this passage is one of the easiest way when people are hung up on this, everything that happens, God's sovereign. Everything that happens must be his will. This is one of the easiest ways to see that's not the case. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. It says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Six things that God, he hates them. Seven, they they are an abomination. They are disgusting to him. Now, as we read through that list, are these things that has ever happened on the earth? A proud look. Are there any proud people? Of course. A lying tongue. Are there people who lie? Of course there's people that lie. God, God hates these things. If you are a liar, you're in dangerous territory. Because on the short list, lying made it twice. Out of the seven, two of them are lying. So God must have a particular disdain for lying. You know probably somebody personally who's engaged in every single one of these. right? So if God, God hates them, they are an abomination to him, but they're happening every day. They're happening all around us. People lying, people that are proud, people that are quick to run and do evil, people that shed innocent blood, look at abortion. I mean, this kind of stuff is happening all the time. God hates it. It breaks his heart. Now, if he's the one causing everything that happens is his will, if you believe like that, it causes God to become some kind of perverse, twisted, twisted person, right? He's a masochist. If he hates these things, they, they hurt him. But at the same time, everything that happens is his will. What does that say about the character of God? You've got some kind of twisted perception of who God is. We live in a fallen world. Sin has twisted and corroded things. That's why we need men and women of God to use the power of prayer to set things right and to advance the kingdom of of God. You've got to carve out time to engage in prayer. Let, Let me give you just a couple of very simple ways if you're not even sure what this looks like. You get up tomorrow morning. You carve out time. One of the ways that I typically do this, I've shared this before, I, I use the Lord's Prayer just kind of as a format. Not super strict, just as a, a loose guideline. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I just take time to worship God. Father, I love you so much. God, there's nobody like you. You're so wonderful. You're so faithful. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done for me. I just take time to worship God. And to be honest, that's usually the bulk of my prayer time. You can just get caught up there, just worshiping God. Lord, I thank you. You start thanking God. You've got a long list of things to say thank you for. Father, I magnify your name. You're so wonderful. Take time to worship the Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then I pray for God's will to be done. Different, I just apply that to different areas. My family, my life, my ministry, my heart. God, let your will be done in my kids. Father, let your, your kingdom come, your will be done in my children like it is in heaven. I just find different ways to apply that same thing. Father, let my kids, lo- the way that you're loved and known in heaven, let my daughters know you and love you like that. Let your will be done in their life, just the way it is in heaven, the way that you're worshiped, the way that you're adored. Give them hearts that worship you and adore you. There's no sickness. There's no disease in it. Father, I just start applying. Let your will be done. So I take time to pray for God's will to be done for you, for our church. Give us today our daily bread. I I pray for provision. Apply that different ways. Pray for, Father, I need daily bread. Fill me fresh with your Holy Spirit. I pray before I read the Bible typically. So I'll say, God, in a little bit, I'm gonna open your word. Lord, I need you to speak to me. Give me my daily bread. Feed me from your word. Give me revelation, insight, and understanding. Give me my daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who, who sin against us. Father, search my heart. Things that are unpleasing to you, Lord, I I repent, cleanse me. Things I need to let go, Father, anyone that's offended me, hurt me, I I just release them. I I hold no bitterness. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. It's time for you to come against the things that the enemy wants to do in your life. Father, keep me strong. 
Keep me holy. Give me a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Let every scheme and strategy of the devil against me, against my family, let it be a failure. Lead me not in temptation. Deliver me from evil. For that is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. For it. Father, it's all about you. For your glory, it's about your kingdom. Give me a heart for your kingdom. Just go back to magnifying the Lord. So there's some kind of format, some kind of plan that's going to help you engage in prayer. So if you say, you know what, I'm going to start praying and you're not used to it, you don't just, you know, stand there looking around your bedroom for, for half an hour tomorrow morning. There, there's different ways. I've heard of people using the word acts as an acrostic. A is for adoration. Just take time to adore God, worship him. C is for confession, to confess sins, to confess God's word over yourself. Here's what God's word says about me. T for thanksgiving, S for supplication. Just to find find ways to engage, find some kind of format that works for you. Have a plan and engage. Spend time talking to the Lord. Spend time. If you think of prayer as just the, the supplication, making a list of stuff that you want, it's going to be hard to keep yourself engaged. It's, it's communion. It's talking. You're building relationship. You're fellowshipping with the Lord. You know, we've been working on a house project for, for a couple of months, just fixing stuff up, getting ready to move to a new house. And it's not exactly my, my sweet spot uh, working on these kinds of things. But I know a couple of things. You know, we're working in the basement. There's some ceiling tiles and you get up in there and there's different stuff, stuff, right? There's tubes up in the ceiling. And so some of those are like, there's water, right? You got plumbing stuff. And then you've got conduit. You've got electrical stuff that's run up there, right? So I understand that. And I also understand that you don't want to mix those two. Right? You need to know what you're dealing with. You, you don't want to run uh, something that's plumbing and into something that's electrical or, or vice versa, right? Give you time to write that down. So it's important to know what level or what realm you're engaged with, or it could be damaging. It could be disastrous, right? If I engage with electrical and handle it like plumbing, uh, it could be deadly, right? V- vice versa. You, you can do a lot of damage. It can be very destructive. You start mixing those things up. You need to know what realm you're dealing with and operate accordingly, correct? Life is spiritual. Life is spiritual. It's spiritual. Ephesians chapter six, where it says to be strong in the Lord. It goes on to tell us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, authorities, powers in the unseen realm. And it goes and it gives us the the parts of the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of of the spirit, the belt of truth. It gives us the armor of God. And then in verse 18, it says, always pray on all occasions all prayer and petition. So it tells us life, life is spiritual. What you're up against, it's spiritual. And just like plumbing and electrical, if you engage on the wrong realm, if you don't understand, if you engage life purely as just, it's just, you know, me in the flesh walking around trying to eat stuff that tastes good, do things that feel good, acquire as much stuff as I possibly can, it's going to be damaging, possibly disastrous. Prayer helps take us into the spiritual realm. Uh, where, where I pray is usually in my office. So I'll get to the church before anyone else typically, and I, I, I pace. So I just walk around. I'm the only one in that room. And I just talk and talk and talk out loud. I'm just talking. Now, if things are just natural, I, I'm a crazy man, right? I'm just walking around talking. There's nobody else in the room just talking and talking and talking, sometimes crying, sometimes shouting. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm nuts in the natural but it's taking me out of the natural and I'm, I'm engaging on a different realm, right? I'm operating in the spirit. Natural, yes, it's crazy. I'm not operating according to the natural. I'm not just talking to myself. I'm talking to my father, right? So prayer takes us into the spiritual realm. And we've got to engage with life, understand life is spiritual. Life is spiritual. We use the armor of God, always doing all things with prayer, with all prayer and petition. Life is spiritual. We've got to engage it on a spiritual level. And one of the primary ways we do that is by being men and women of prayer. Here's what I'd like to do. I want to take a few minutes to pray. 
take some time just to worship God and spend time in prayer. Maybe as we're talking about prayer this morning, you realize, man, as far as fellowship goes, I, 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 pray, I, I pray and I make the request, God help work to go good, help the guy not to be a jerk to me today, help me to pay the bill. And that's really the extent of it. And I've missed, I've missed the fellowship aspect. As we begin to pray here in just a couple of minutes, I want you to engage. God, I want to grow in my fellowship, in my fellowship with you. Or maybe there's an area where you do keep falling into temptation, man. It's that same thing over and over. What in the world's going on? Am I just not as good a guy as him or as good of a lady as as her? No, you just need to pray more. You just need to engage in prayer. Watch and pray. Why, Jesus? So that you won't fall into temptation. You can pray about that area. Get victory over that area. It seems like it's been just like a snag for you in your life. Get victory over that today. Maybe there's areas where you feel like, you know what? I am just, man, I'm, I'm weighted down with worry and anxiety. I'm, I'm so worried about my marriage or having a marriage or my kids or my finances, my career, or what this person thinks or whatever it is. And I'm weighted down. I'm like a sitting duck to the enemy. Uh, God cares about you but it's through prayer that he cares for you. Let let him do in the caring. Cast your cares. We'll take time to do that. Cast your cares on the Lord. But here's what I especially feel to pray for this morning. Go ahead and stand on your feet. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. I feel to, to pray for people that somewhere along the lines in their walk with God, just not, not that they've got caught up in sin, not that they've done some terrible, evil deed, but somewhere along the lines, they've lost the joy of their salvation. They, they've lost the sweetness of that fellowship. I just feel like God wants to anoint some people with fresh oil just to revitalize that, that love. You can remember maybe way back the fellowship you used to have with the Lord, and that just seems like a, a thing of the past. He wants to revitalize that relationship, to set your heart on fire for him again. Freshness, fresh oil. So maybe that's one person. Maybe it's 10, I, I don't know. We're gonna take some time to pray. We pray along all those lines I just mentioned. But if that's you, you just need, man, it's not that I don't love the Lord. I, I do love him and I'm serving him. It's just like, it feels cold. You know, that's a danger. People's love grows cold. The Bible's filled with warnings about people that as they're serving the Lord, somewhere along the lines that their love just grows, grows cold. We've got to rekindle it. This is a morning for people to rekindle their, their heart for the Lord. A restoration of, of hunger, a restoration of intimacy, a restoration of passion. God wants to refresh that in your life this morning. So Pastor Jonathan, the band, they're going to lead us. And as they do, if you just want to pray right where you're at, cast your cares on the Lord. If you want to come to the altar and do that, you're welcome to do that. But if when I said the Lord wants to refresh some people's walk with the Lord, wants to refresh intimacy and passion, fellowship, make it sweet again. If you felt like, man, that's me. I'm going to invite you to come forward. I want to anoint you with oil. As I do just fresh, fresh oil, a refreshing, a restoration to your love, your passion. Just close your eyes for a minute. Let the Holy Spirit deal with your heart. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.